Welcome back to an all new installment of Super Mario Brothers, where we welcome you to the end, my friends. This guy has opened! <laughs> <laughs> my name is Super Brother Dan. Dun, 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 dun. So yeah, I thought we could do something a little bit different to our Super Mario Brothers, get some more metal coins going in there. But uh, for those who don't know, I'm Super Mario Brother Matt. And I am Super Metal Brother Dan. We are the Super Metal Brothers. We just talk about the metal news, reviews, and all that kind of stuff. And today's show, we're talking the Arias. We just went through our uh, yearly uh, praising, you know, getting some social guys to praise our uh, musicians in the forum, whether it be pop, uh, rock, metal, or even other, which is, uh, you know. <laughs> Wait, you said metal then, man. <laughs> Stay tuned. We're, 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 fore- we're foreshadowing people, yeah. Yeah, uh, we got to the reviewing of the latest offering from the Spanish Black Slap Death Metalers Noctum, which the album titled uh, Harises, Harises. Uh, Basinger. <laughs> Basinger. <laughs> but, yeah, let's first go on straight to the news. Guys, you want to hear about it a lot more. And right from the top, we're talking uh, Slayer with Kerry King. Now, um, I don't know if you know this, but the 90s were different times for metal. It went from uh, the fast impact nature of the thrash era in the 80s, uh, where it was all about you know playing fast, playing solos, all that. And then, thanks to grunge, uh, it, the metal got impacted from it, Danny. Yeah, um, Kerry King wasn't too happy with, not just they, also the uh, so-called punk scene where... Um, punk was attributed to like people like The Offspring and Green Day, and he just didn't consider that punk. I guess growing up with like the Sex Pistols around and bands like that, I think then punk was still edgy and still semi-aggressive, I guess. Well, and, yeah. fu- funny enough, at the time when Green Day first came out, I would argue that, yeah, their roots were kind of in that um, vein. Um, even b- bands like Blink-182, with, you know, they were coming through. But then, yeah, like now you could say they're not even a pop-punk band. They're just pop. Yeah. You know, and uh, but again, let's talk about the issue. Uh, do you think it was right to say that? Do you think uh, metal because it did go through the whole new metal phase instead of being like outward aggression and that it was mostly inwards, very passive aggressive, yeah. very much self defeating. Uh, did it did it help metal though, Danny? Uh, well, yeah, I could say it did it go to the main stage? I mean, we saw bands like I guess Metallica and new metal bands like Corn and slightly Limp Bizkit actually make it to like main radio stations, main TV stations. So. You know, Headbangers Ball became, I guess, more popular. I think that was around since the 80s, but you had a decent field clip. So I think it was more attention put to metal. Uh, the weirdest thing what he said, he might not have liked it, but at the time, it was where metal was the most popular uh, to a degree. Like you're saying, made so much traction and so much headway. Now, you'd be lucky even if you get acknowledged on on a radio station or, you know, on, even on YouTube finding it. It's very hard. Or, or at your Australian Music Awards. Oh, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> Stick around in the middle of that. We had to ask our fans about that one. So we'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah, I think Kerry King was just really upset because the 90s was known as the um, uh, anti-bold years. And anyone who had a bold hair, they just really hated. And that really, I think it really affected him. He got, that's why he put tattoos over his head and skull to make it look like he still had hair. I'm just so glad we weren't bold during the 90s, man. I also had a really bad childhood. Yeah, but like, listen to good music now. So, uh, you know, the, the 90s are long gone. We've gone through that era, and here we are. Let's talk about uh, Whitechapel. They've implored fans not to buy crappy bootleg merch on Facebook. Now, the uh, problem here was uh, that a certain uh, label, like a clothing label, saw a market. They saw that um, they could sell metal jumpers, right, to, um, to fans. Now, Whitechapel, I agree with them 100%. Yeah, like... Don't buy off of someone that's not the band because they're not going to see any of the, the money. However, I think Whitechapel missed a, an important uh, strategy here in selling those uh, really ugly jumpers over Christmas to uh, adoring fans. Yeah, this parent, well, you know, we're Australians. We're, we're, too, we're too hot to have the ugly jumper a thon, but you know, it's not. 
clever yeah. market. So people people like these um clever quirky things that, I mean, metal drummers wear once a year. Why not? I mean, it's a good time for Christmas as well. You buy some at Christmas present as a mock present, a joke present. But go back to the point again. Yes, fair. Don't don't buy rip off stuff. It seems like burning music. Don't burn yeah. music. If you want to support your band, support your band. Stop half supporting them they get really pissed off when they fold because they can't afford to live anymore it's like ah oh, you what matter you want you touring anymore that's right what happens what they end up doing is what our friends at legion end up doing is creating a patreon and like the obscure it's exactly the same thing and all that does is angry more people it's like oh you know um bands in particular not so much the fans so uh yeah if you buy the merch uh, everyone's happy and no one has to go on metal sucks explaining uh, to their fans um why they're asking money to live or even have basic things like water and instruments yeah <laughs> new guitar strings yeah you can I just can't <laughs> keep singing out my solos, people. It gets tiring. Um, we're talking about Rush now. They play Tom Sawyer um, in a concert scene, the latest animated TV show, Family Guy. Now, uh, they've come out and admit the band saying that uh, their playing days live are long behind them, unfortunately. Uh, you know, bodies and touring and, you know, missing things like, uh, you know, your family's big occasions, like your own marriage and, you know, probably your own funeral. <laughs> yeah, it's getting that way. I mean, these guys, they've been doing it for a long time now. I think, um, was it... Getty, I think his name is, the um, lead singer slash guitar player. I think it was singer bass player, whatever he is. Yeah. He came and said like, they've probably got maybe two more tours left in them and that's about it. They'll do this one, take a break, and they'll come back and that's yeah. about all. So, I want to, again, family guy, you know, I guess they thought, why not? We'll, have, we'll play Rush to get, you know, I don't know why. I don't think the family guy audience is really... A Rush fan, basically. But you know the first animated um, one-off my head that did it? Futurama did it with um, Space Invaders, yeah. Eye on You. That's when I was growing up as well. We've seen the old South Park episodes and Dio was in South Park. That was awesome. <laughs> Are you ready to rock? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, here it goes. And the kids loved it. And of course they would, right? Yeah, so that's cool. Even with um, going back to Rush uh, and South Park as well, at the um, start of, I think, one of the Rush live one Rush gigs they actually had like the kids from South Park come out and like introduce like Rush so yeah so they've got a bit of notoriety considering for a progressive rock band they get they got the kids um try and get oh, I get it man like these guys in like a big part of the guys who write it and these guys who write these things now aren't in their like 20s anymore yeah they grew up listening to some of that stuff and Rush at the time were one of the most biggest you know, progressive metal bands of all time and probably still are resonating to this very day you know even Dream Theater and that would admit that they've stolen more from them than any other band they can think of and uh, you know fair play I guess even that we, we covered uh, Legion was it um, uh, Allegheny they even ripped, they didn't feel too too afraid to rip them off as well they did a rush cover and they're like technical death so there you go Hey, did, I don't know if you read too much about it, but uh, the chick from Evanescence, uh, the front woman, has uh, talked about her uh, obsession with Mozart and um, what's inside that counts. But that wasn't the best thing that she, when she devolved to Team Rock about. Uh, the one that I liked the most was about being a Christian band. Now, there's a bit of irony in this one here because she was talking about how um, she is Christian, mm. and uh, she didn't want to. They didn't want to come out. The label did actually didn't want them to come out as a Christian band. And uh, they kind of felt they kind of felt with because as soon as Creed started doing it, you know, there was actually a market for it. And um, they came out, you know, we finally came out as a Christian metal band, but not without you know some blood, sweat, and tears coming out of it. It's a bit strange. You know, in any other um, walks of life, it'd be the other way around. Like if you were to talk about the dark arts, you know, Satan and all that kind of thing, you'd be booed off the stage before you even got on it. But um, for some reason, in the metal community, they felt pressured to uh, keep away from um, you know divine intervention. Yeah, it's a bit weird, especially because they were really main stage, really massive, and you think being that oh, I love God or that would just be like 
massive, man. Like, would, you, would you imagine, like, they went backstage one time and they were going to accept an award and the label's like, nah, nah, say how much you like Satan and, like, <laughs> talk about, like, how much Satan helped you. And, like, they're like, oh, we don't want it. We're talking about God. <laughs> so, eventually, they get up there and, do, and they select a Grammy. And it's like, we would like to thank our mum, our dad, and... Oh, and Satan, oh, no, I really- and, and, and Bizarro God, because <laughs> it's dark arts. I can't do this anymore. I love you, Jesus. And all of a sudden, like, got like these guys with axes coming off stage. Let me be me. Yeah, you got Crown Grishnak lighting up fires. Like, God, they were like uh-huh. the, uh, the count, like, um, uh, what are they called? The um, what, the kindling sticks, yeah, the kindling sticks and stuff. You know, like scouts, yeah, exactly. Yeah. With, the, with the scout team, like, starting on his car or something. <laughs> Stop blowing out the fire, Amy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Uh, Gene Hoagland completes his new instructional DVD now. If you don't know who Gene Hoagland is, you'll know these bands Testament, Death, Strapping Lad, Dark Angel, and the classic Deathlock. This guy has been on more bands than I've been in uh, going to work, like in, in jobs, you know. Uh, he's just out of control, hey? Yeah, definitely. And this is actually a technical drum lesson type uh, DVD, right on time for Christmas. So it's actually pretty good because it'll be probably that intense that so you don't have to worry about buying someone a present next Christmas because they still wouldn't have mastered this first one. Yeah, it's like, one, going to make you feel bad as a person, uh, drum or whatever, but two, it's going to make you feel great as a fan of these bands because actually on the DVD, it's featured him doing playthroughs of some of the bigger ones, especially of you know, Death, which um, you know he probably hasn't played those songs in X amount of years. But uh, you know what, what a bunch of fan service, for, even if you're not a drummer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, good show. Um, there, there's a couple of really cool Christmas ideas out there at the moment. I think on our Facebook page, we linked out there as well for Christmas ideas for the Metalhead. Yeah, we'll uh, definitely do it as an editorial, I reckon. Yeah. Get you guys, you know, some really good ideas so you guys can spend your loved ones. Give them the things they really care about. Yeah, I'll just I'll just do my highlight straight away. It's the Abath hoodie, where it's actually like a hoodie jumper, but the thing covers your face and looks like you're a bath as well. So it has the face paint on it. Oh, it's, that's it is amazing. quality. But more to come. Yeah. Uh, so good luck to Gene Hoagland with that. We'll be very happy to see how it goes with him. But let's move on to our next story with a day to remember. Now, they won. We, did we cover this, Danny, this sh- thing about day to remember? We did cover another band that was going through financial troubles with their label, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. But not these. I think that was more like the label was like being smart ass. And they were like um, getting four or five people on one bill and charging them all the same price for advertisement, even right. though... Technically, they only have to charge a third of the price. That's right. Something like that. This, this is completely different. This apparently started in 2011. Okay. So, a day to remember, they won a $4 million lawsuit against Victory Records. Now, what they've done is the, the court saw them as they are the official owners of the songs, the songwriting stuff, but the label was going to get the sound production side. In saying that, they, they are entitled to $4 million. Now, this is a good sign for bands because a lot of times now, people are really scared to get on labels. A lot of bands uh, are afraid that because once you sign on, they will, they will like obviously make all make your record for you, but then they'll expect royalties in return, and you might not even see a cent half the time. Yeah, true. I mean, this one is actually a really good. Another story because they fought it quite hard and quite interestingly because the lab, record label was coming out saying that they didn't um, uh, complete their album agreement. Apparently, they had to do five albums, and the record company said, "No, you didn't." But they remember came back and said, "No, no, no. If you look at our pre-record material released and our, um, oh, I don't know." Pre, yeah, I think just all pre-recorded stuff. They actually technically classify as an album, and therefore we made our commitment. And there, yeah, the jury and the uh, judges, some say, yeah, that's right. They did do their agreement. I mean, you might not be happy with that that, that being not being a real album, but <coughs> they they saw as classifying as an album. Yeah, no, good on them. Like you know, it's good bit of a strike for victory for the uh, writers. We know how hard it can be at times, eh? Yeah. Well, now you got to be <coughs> now for all these other um artists coming around at the moment. They have to be careful with um. 
yeah, all those other artists at the moment, are they going to have to be careful for their contracts? Victory would definitely put something into their contracts and they are saying that that doesn't count as an yeah. album, etc. So yeah, be forewarned. We'll move to Megadeth right now with Dave Mustaine. Now, we know that Dave Mustaine has gone through a few guitarists in his time. He just likes to be the captain of his own ship. And uh, when anyone has been in there for long enough to get the confidence to kind of like put his hand up and say, what about this? So they're off searching for the new band the next day, pretty much. It's kind of like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, I reckon um, he also has another um, really uh, secret way of doing business. And what happens is that he puts you on apprenticeship wage. And after a while, I said, you, you're there for a while on apprenticeship wage and you want, you know, oh, I've been here for a year, I deserve my pay increase. Oh, is that right? <laughs> See you later. He's like on the run right now of the uh, heavy metal world. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Or even like 7-Eleven. No, here's your pay, Jip, but you got to give me back half. Yeah. Hey, wait a second, where? Well, yeah, it's like, I mean, I just I write all the songs. Yeah, that's because you don't let us do it. Uh, you know, dude, hello. I'm above the law. But this story is funny because it's uh, unlike what's happened in the past. Um, Kikla Ren, the new guitarist, uh, just wanted to step away for a bit and, uh, you know, bring his... Uh, help his wife, you know, bring in his uh, twins. I think they came at the time. And uh, funny enough, I was actually following Kiko Loren on Facebook. So I saw him like, yeah, I'm just, hey guys, I just with my wife, I had to jump off tour for a bit just uh, for my, you know, pregnancy thing. And, uh, you know, I'm going to head back soon. So I was cool with it. And all of a sudden, I read another article like this saying, yeah, the fans have been really upset and and, and uh, asking Dave Mustaine what's going on with Kiko. He got rid of him already after last, end of last year, where Chris Broderick uh, took off for Act of Defiance. So, um, yeah, I don't, that, that came out of nowhere. Dave's got to start letting people into his life, man. He's got to learn to love again. I think he's still burned from his past, man. Dave, you know, maybe he's too upset because the whole like political debate. He doesn't know. He need, he needs to create like a new story. Mm. And he hasn't he hasn't created a new story lately with the whole like because now that the um, American uh, presidency election is all done, he needs to create something else. So, I want to just fire people and. He'll always find new guitarists because there's always that kid who always wanted to play Megadeth, so he'll always find oh, that's someone. That's right, exactly. Hello, with Jeff Loomis. You know, there's always that prodigy who's done nothing but practice scales, avoided school, friends. I mean, you, you can't even hold three sentences with them, but they can like play anything that Mighty Freeman's done over the last 20 years, you know. Uh, but uh, no, Kiko Loren's still in Megadeth, guys. It's cool. You know, he's a great guitarist, and uh, Dave Mustaine absolutely loves him. Come out and use the L word, which is very strong. I mean, I hardly use that with my you know families and siblings, but uh, you know, no, thirty-two years isn't long enough for me, really. Yeah, we know, Matt. We know. <laughs> Why would you love me? Speaking of that, uh, uh, you brought up Dave Mustaine's past, Danny. Well, let's bring up Lars Ulrich. You know, they were part of it uh, in the uh, sorry, the uh, first album from Metallica, the uh, Kill 'Em All album. Uh, just before, actually, and then he got so he kicked off just before. But you can actually see in the royalties that he actually wrote some of those songs to the point where he actually uses some of those riffs in his own songs. Um, yeah, Lazuri came out and admitted that uh, he should have taken drum lessons as a joke in an interview. Now, um, it sounds much better that he said it because we've been saying that on the show for a little long time now, <laughs> and between our circles. So when he says it, it actually seems like um, yeah, we're not such jerks. Yeah, apparently this was a joke interview if that's what you call it but like they say behind every joke there's an element of truth and unfortunately there's more truth than joke in this what he said yeah, I, think, the, yeah. I think the only thing he was joking was when he said this is a joke yeah right because <laughs> the element of truth was this sentence itself like it stands oh, in its own it's, way it's ridiculous yeah and he goes on to talk a bit about his um snare drum he goes oh yeah the problem say agnes i've got to take the snare drum out of the box when i play it ah but no it's the truth yeah um dude like i don't think anyone was laughing in that room they're like wow he said it like yeah. no one he must be growing as a person and he's like no nah, i'm still a dick people like staying and he up doing that slow clap to like congratulate him. <laughs> it's like, you did it, man. And, you and, did and it. 
does that thing where he's chewing, but he's like got no bubble gum in his <laughs> mouth, and he's just got that stupid face, and everyone's like, ah, oh, it's the same Lars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we missed you, mate. We missed you. Thank, welcome back to, uh, to reality, mate. We really appreciate you being back here. But Metallica are touring Australia, so, you know... Um, yeah, look, you might not hear one now because, you know, the drum lessons and, like, playing's hard, Die's Eve. You know, I don't think they've ever played that song live. But, um, yeah, I, if you want to see which I think it's sold out, Danny, and they haven't even put the tickets on sale yet. Yeah, that's how, that's how impressive Metallica So, 2017, let's see if another band which skips Adelaide. So, we shall see. Yeah, there actually has been quite a lot. Um, let's talk Killswitch Engage right now. We didn't. Did we talk about this last week? I don't nah, think we man. did. Now, so Killswitch Engage have announced a massive tour. They're going Australia-wide doing a 25th anniversary, I believe, of their first uh, um, album, Alive or Just Breathing. Now, that was the album that Jesse was on the first. And to be honest, it's their most iconic and probably most popular album of, to date. You know, they've had great songs after that, but this album... Everyone loves it. You know, they're all killer, no filler, missing Adelaide. Yeah, and they're doing a double show in Melbourne as well, and then they're flying straight over to Perth. It's like, oh, man. Now, this is the one we didn't understand, because other bands we could really take to, because it's like, yeah, you probably won't do great here. Like, Lamb of God, look, we're like going to miss some sugar dinner. Like, yeah, you know, for what you want to make money-wise, it's probably okay to miss Adelaide, because you might get a good turnout, but not the great one you wanted. However... Killswitch sold out HQ. This thing was banking and everyone had a great time. Yeah. No, they're definitely one of those bands. They they, they cover so many different like um, genres of people and demographics that you always get a decent crowd and a very energetic crowd. So for them to miss us out, it's, it's a bit disappointing. But Yeah, I mean, when Behemoth came, they played at... Um uh, at uh, Fowler's Live, you know, they, they almost sorted it out, almost, I would say, but this is HQ we're talking about, you know, and uh, to not see him there is kind of a bit of a bummer. I'd probably, we probably won't go into say, they're no Symphony X, don't get me wrong, mm. but uh, I would su- suggest that if you're a fan of that album, guys, uh, Melbourne, you know, it's not, it's only hops skipping the jump and an eight hour car ride. <laughs> well, eight hour car ride, you know, that's cool. You can listen, skim, jump into the car, you can listen to the hours, uh, so. album. Eight times oh, before you get there. Oh, yeah, maybe more. Oh, yeah, but you know, you got, yeah, yeah, you got poos and stuff, and you have to oh, rub yeah. one out because you're pretty excited by the trip, I'd imagine. <laughs> Even if you're a lady, you've got to rub at least one out. Like, at least one out. Uh, Five Finger Death Punch. Now, this is a funny story because there's three parts to the story. In the matter of two or three days, uh, there was an update to let you know what was going on. It all started from this one thing. Um, the first thing that happened was that Five Finger Death Punch frontman. Uh, actually uh, abruptly finished one of the shows. He said he couldn't continue due to the loss of his mother. Mm. Now, um, fans would be, um, very understandably, he went out in a really bad state, you know, played, but it wasn't quite right. And then they're like, you know, that's that's probably what's happened. Now, the sister has come out and actually said that they, no, the mother's actually alive and well. So that's then had people like, oh, like, oh, well, where's our money? Like, we want our money. Um, you know, pretty much like a walk boy. But then what happened after that, Danny? Yeah, apparently he came out and he um, backpedaled a bit and said, now the mother was a so mother of some like sort of, I don't know, nursing home or caring place for him when he was a child and more like a spiritual mother. She was um, very unwell and um, not not being good. So that that's, that's he, he kind of backtracked there a bit and said all that. But you know, he recovered within two nights. He went, or, or one night, he went from, I can't be on stage. Like the next one, yeah, let's party everybody. Woo! So that, that seemed like a really quick recovery. Yeah, I think that uh, he he was coming out saying he's going to promise everyone a refund, but the uh, he should have probably talked it over with the actual owners of the uh, venue because I don't think the venue was like too impressed with that. Like, well, no, because we just found out what's happened here. You had a meltdown. We're not giving their money back. You stuffed up, mate. You need to wear the cost. Yeah, so you got to make sure you read those insurance claims properly, man, because they don't cover you for mental breakdowns. 
Well, he's come off and said that the mental breakdown is like Kanye West. Now, whether you would claim Kanye West was a meltdown or his manager is saying, no, it's damage control after getting on to the whole, yeah, conservatives are cool uh, thing, maybe to get in contact with the popular kids or maybe that's what he believes all along, who knows? But, uh, you know, there was damage control saying, oh, no, he just had a meltdown. He's not a Trump fan. He's just getting off that crazy. You know, he's black. How can he have a Trump fan, you know? Um, So, same thing, I guess, Danny. You know, he's claiming he had a meltdown. Maybe he's just really drunk. Well, maybe. Maybe in both cases. If if it's real, they did have breakdowns. Hopefully, they do get the mental help they require. It just seems a bit convenient just to say that. And, look, who knows? Honestly, hopefully... Hopefully it's not a mental issue because mental issues are hard to overcome. But also, if you're blaming mental issue for you being a dick, well then that's not that's not nice either. Yeah, that's a Kanye thing to do. Though. Yeah, it seems like a Kanye thing to do. So yeah, yeah. finish it off with our last story today with Macedon guitarist Brent Hines. He broke his leg in a motorbike accident. Uh, if you own a motorbike, you're gonna break your leg. So that's kind of like a given. Uh, I guess for him though, lucky enough, we've seen plenty of people who have broken legs. Uh, Dino Cesaris. We've seen Adam from Killswitch as well. Put that thing in the car, stand on stage, sit in a wheelchair, whatever you want to do, his medal can still ring true. Well, that's like Dave Grohl, who broke his leg during a gig, then went out, got a cast, and came back and finished the gig off or something. And yeah. then did the rest of the tour, like in a wheelchair, a big massive throne. Even even Axel Rose, he had, I think, a broken foot, a broken leg, something. He did the rest of his gigs in a on wheelchair. On a throne? Yeah, on a throne was there, you go. Yeah, so yeah, good, good luck good luck in your recovery there, Brent, but uh, your fans still want to see you do some uh, some shredding, so uh, yeah, your fingers still work, mate. <laughs> yeah, there's a really bad joke with this, like maybe in hindsight, he shouldn't have been on that motorcycle, uh, right? Let's move on to our editorial, guys. Are your music awards we're talking about? 2016, uh, basically what happens is a bunch of really snooty eggheads get together and acknowledge by handing out uh, cheap bites of plastic to the people they think are deserving of our affection and attention, okay? Now, this year always comes up like any other year of controversy because heavy metal is given a award sharing it with hard rock. And as we know, it's pretty much saying like giving out a potato salad award to someone who brought in a chocolate cake, right? Uh, okay. <laughs> Stick with me. This might seem like, no, hard rock and heavy metal are, do, are pretty similar, but with what were the uh, nominations this year, I would have to tend to disagree. We're talking about 12 Foot Ninjas, Outlier got nominated. Yeah, sure, heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Amity Affliction, this could be Heartbreak. Parkway Drive, Ira with Hellions, Opera, Oblivia. But there's a wild card in there, Danny. Yeah, apparently, um, it's a new band to me, I guess, uh, probably because we'll talk about why they're new to us. Their name is King Glizzard. And the Wizard Lizard. So it's kind of a bit of a uh, cat in the hat type Dr. Zeus tongue twist of that name. And yeah. That- and uh, when you watch their film clips, you would actually get a scene why it actually plays out like a Dr. Seuss book. Uh, Nonagon and Finney was the album of The Reckoning. Now, what ended up happening? Out of those five, Danny, we know the result. But who would you think would be the least likely candidate to win that one? Well, hearing what this winner sounded like, I would have to say the band I just said, which is Dr. Zeus cat in the hat. Yeah, uh, unfortunately for those who did follow Arias, um, they won it. King Lizard and the Wizard Lizard won Hard Rock Heavy Metal Album of the Year. Now, we're going to go into a debate about if they are entitled to it. Are they a hard rock? They sure as hell aren't heavy metal. But the community itself actually got up in a rage. Bands like 12 Foot Ninja came out and Amity Affliction, I think in Parkway Drive. These bands were saying, look, we don't mind... Um, uh, if any other award went to any other band on the thing, but it went to the one band it shouldn't have. Mm. Yeah, so. definitely. And that, that makes it 
a bitter pill to swallow because like all all we want as heavy metal fans and musicians just a bit of recognition. I mean, we are these guys are quality players and their musicianship is off the charts. So all you want is okay, here's the chance for us to finally get some sort of recognition and just to be like continuously slapped in the face. It's like, oh just why why? And it apparently um I think one of the local magazines in Australia got in contact with the ARIA people and they said how it works is that our record company uh, nominates a band for an award and they can choose what category they get nominated into. Mm. So the record company of Lizard Wizard, Slizzard, they say, okay, they're heavy metal, hard rock, we'll put them into that category. Brilliant. But then you have the people who are the committee people or the board people who still have to say, okay, yeah, they deserve the winner. So there's still like a, a second you know, chance for some to stop them from winning this award. And yeah. it, look, you might not know much hard rock or heavy metal, but if you're on a music board, yeah, you should do. Yeah. You really should. And if you hear like the other bands which were nominated, you can kind of see there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a contrast here. So huh? Yeah, so we'll move on to uh, to the band in a sec, but let's move on to our Facebook page because a lot of people, we, well, we set the question out to them. We said, who would you have chosen this year to win the album of the year? Now, um, let's start from the top with Seamus McDuff. Uh, he reckons 12 Foot Ninja or I Icarus. And uh, I Icarus are a great band. I don't think they have an album out yet, though, dude. <laughs> no, you have a single out. We talked to you about this. You were on our show, man. So um, we love you for it, but not quite yet. Maybe for seeing as well next year. Who knows, man? Yeah, 2017, guys. You nominate yourself, and uh, I will hijack loved ones of the Aria's choosings and uh, make sure they pick the right way. Mm-hmm. Brooke Joyce Nugent, Parkway Drive fan. She's picking Parkway Drive. Uh, ben Heap, Amity Affliction. Kelly Crawford, Amity Affliction. Mitch Ramsey, Disturbed. Now, mate, they're one medal in uh, America, right? So they could be international band, right? But not not in Australia. And two is David Draham. And three, you know, Sound of Silence. So, like, no. <laughs> Matt's not really happy with their Sound of Silence. No, <laughs> you, don't get, you don't get Album of the Year by playing covers, man. That's just <laughs> not, not how oh, it works. Talk about that shit. Are we, oh, oh, sorry, we're coming back to um, Bullshit Awards in America. So, Keep, keep in mind Yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. We'll come back to that in a sec. Daniel Cedarblad. I really like the new Parkway album after not making it with the last one because it sounds the same. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he, he, that's what he put his vote with. Adam Blacksmith, 12 Foot Ninja. So as you can see, our fans are already three ways about this. You know, there's three big bands that have come out in the top, you know. We've also got Ben Saunders. Uh, usually he sees it's more deadcore and metalcore that gets nominated, but he still reckons 12 Foot Ninja. Jay Anderson and Parkway Drive for sure. And Amy Linwood last but not least with 12 Foot Ninja. So it's almost fairly pretty much distributed to the fans who are on our page at the moment. And most of those guys who I've just talked about are definitely metal fans uh, for sure. And they're picking metal bands. You know, no one, not one of them has picked KG and the WL. So let's get back to your thing, Danny. Yeah, yeah. so going back to my Atari, you talked about, you know, give credit to Mitch who talked about Disturbing it because they're, they're pretty much a cover band. <laughs> I remember, was it back to the Grammy Awards, I think two or three years ago? This is American one, Grammy Awards. So it's, it's not just Australia uh, problematic, it's also America that have this, this issue. And they, they, they don't do best metal album, they have best metal performance. So they, they limit it down to just like one song. Like, that, that's great. <sighs> thank, thank you for that. You have like 20 million R&B hip hop awards. You can't have just one heavy metal album. Anyway, new point. One of the awards for best metal performance went to Tenacious D's cover of Dio's Last in Line. Mm. And I was like, you gave an award to a cover band. You didn't even recognize the original singer. You just said, okay, these guys cover and we'll give it to them because, oh, Jab Black's funny because he's like, he's, he's a Hollywood star. And they actually had decent metal bands 
for that year and they gave oh you know it's funny because like metal as an institution is pretty much going against the grain of society and way to keep way for society to keep making sure metal is relevant by keep shitting in its face regardless of who's in front of it they're just like nah we don't see it as a real legitimate uh, style of music so metalheads just get angrier and they get more blast beats and more death metal and they get more in your face just to have more of the same from people up the top saying no 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 so are we destined to be metal as literally the underground movement that will say they're forever because it doesn't matter what old generation comes off to the top of it they're still saying the same thing yeah well this this dates back all the way to back in 18 1989 when the grammy awards had their very first ever best heavy metal album and yeah like decent bands not that including one metallica and two acdc oh, straight away metallica's got us in the bag for kill them all and the winner was... Uh, the, just, um, no, Justice for All. So, Justice for All. Yeah, they were well established. That one was on that album for crying out loud, you know what I mean? Um, Blackened, great songs, you know, and the instrumental, I think, in Justice for All, the actual song itself, which was like a seven-minute instrumental masterpiece. Yeah, and it was great. They even did it properly. They got Alice Cooper and Leader Ford to like write out, call out the winner. So, it was actually really good. And the winner happened to be the legendary... Absolute brutal folk rock band of Jethro Tull. Yeah, unless unless they like down mix the blast beat like to in order to white noise level, I I can't understand it either. I know Aqualung has like a bit of heavy drums in it, but apart from that, it's literally like they're not heavy metal or hard. I, I, look, dude, they were so embarrassed of receiving the award, they didn't even show up from the night. So yeah, Alice Cooper's right. like, yeah, they're not here, so I'm just gonna take it in the back and uh, accept it for him. And literally, he just said it kind of like that. He was like, yeah, they don't deserve to win it. They know they don't deserve to win it. So let's just move on to the next award. Yeah, pretty much. So I think lesson is that yeah, it's always been treated this way. But I think this is a good chance for us for next year when the Aris come, we'll be a bit more proactive and just start saying. Who, if, if one of these bands which are not heavy metal bangers nominated, we should just need to start writing lessons. So we don't care who wins, we just don't want the non rock heavy metal person to win because it's just not correct. Yeah, it's, I mean, maybe it's good marketing strategy from the label to put it in that because maybe they knew they were going to win it. Yeah. You know, or they re- didn't realize there's like, you know, best rock album, you know, best comedy release. You know, if one of the guys in the band was born overseas, best international band, best children's album, who knows? Oh, you know, why not? Enter in all of them. They could win. They could win every award if they if the people voted that way. You know, we've checked out um, King Lizard, and look, even at their heaviest, it's psychedelic rock. You know, there's um, the heavy metal tone in that isn't quite there. You know, yeah. maybe. Now I'm not even gonna say close to attention to like maybe Led Zeppelin or even Black Sabbath, even when it was the happiest with Dio. It's just. Not a metal band, and it's not a hard rocky label either. So you know, the fans were upset, and look, the bands themselves were the, the loudest, um, themselves because they got their own articles. You know, they were upset about it, and uh, the fans reciprocated. So next year, I'm guessing it's going to go to Sia. I'd imagine, you know, <laughs> yeah. they'll find out that uh, that uh, she, she was, uh, you know, got the Australian album of the year. She can clean up, get three of them, and um, the labels will be very happy. Yeah, imagine she has a clean super of all the arrows. Even his best male performance last <laughs> year. Well, if it's up to the labels to, to go up there and and uh, you know do it, then why not? Yeah, why not? You know? all, all you need to do is get enough people who are pissed off in the voting committee to agree with you, and you win. It's not like there's a check or balance here, mate. You just literally you need twenty or so people in the committee to vote for you, and you win. Can you imagine all the metal songs coming out like "See, it shouldn't be a metalhead." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's Twelve Foot Ninja's new album. Who knows? But uh, yeah, again, let's just finish it off, wrap it around it. So Arias. Yeah, they got the wrong uh, band for 2016. Uh, any other list that you would have chosen for the album of the year? Uh, to be fair, I haven't heard much of the of any of these guys' new albums. Um, based on heavy metal, I would probably have to say, oh, again, you would have to get like Parkway Drive, maybe just because of size. 
I would have to go Parkway Drive, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Nah, look, uh, if you go by our uh, poll from on the internet, you know, it's pretty balanced. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'm kind of comment on it because we have been reviewing albums outside of Australia this year. So if you guys want us to review a potential album uh, for next year, that's an Australian band that can make it for the Aries in 2017, you let us know and uh, we'll get right on it. Yeah, maybe we can do that next year. We'll do like a, we'll review all the albums which are nominated and we give our thoughts and feelings. So let's give, let's talk about an album that we did review. And that's, this one here is a Noctum, the uh, Spanish black death metal band. In Spanish, jeez. Yeah. We, I don't think we've actually even into, I don't think I've even listened to a band from Spain that even plays remotely That's, that's, why, that's why I didn't understand them singing because I sung in Spanish. That might be it, but then again, it's like death metal, so like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah they've come out with a new album, and this album is called Harasis. Not sure what that means, but it sounds brutal. Now, let's it's talk a little bit about the band before we talk about the album. They've got a sound that is basically... It's got, it comes out of traditional black metal, but they've got a couple more elements than that. Uh, very dark themes, you know, about war, occults, you know, worship of ancient civilizations, uh, the works. You know, this album pops in around 10 tracks in just shy of 45 minutes, 44 minutes and 22 seconds. So what we're going to talk about first, Danny, is the riffs of the album. Now, what were the riffs like to you? This is a black and death metal album. So this is going to have like those beautiful passages of sweet somberness that you can cradle your girlfriend to, you know. In fact, if you listen to the album to the very end, you might not even have a girlfriend left. Uh, is that because you sacrificed her to your black metal god? Yeah, or she left you because you th- she thought you were going to sacrifice her uh, to your black yeah, metal that, god. <laughs> she read the play. So, you know, <laughs> why are you shopping that butcher's enough for? Good, good managing, good managing. <laughs> why you got those candles for? <laughs> so uh, there's a lot, you know, th- these riffs are pretty heavy, man. Very dark album. Um, did you get into the riffs though in, in general? Uh, I got into the drumming. I think mm. the drumming is the selling point of this album. The, the, the guitar riffs aren't overly complicated. No. Um, they're simple and they do what's required, but the, the Drumming is what gets you like motivated. Yeah, I. There are a couple of times where like a riff that kind of sticks out, like the track three. Yeah, track three. Yeah, yeah that little uh, very small movement in a band, but it's just tremolo picking, and uh, then it comes into this great blast and the scream that you just need to be there, like. Anytime you hear a riff like this, um, start a song, and you just need to hear that scream come in with the band, and I'll never get tired of it. It's like it's like opening up. Um, Oh, just like a, a, a chocolate uh, chocolate ice cream on a hot summer day. You know what you're going to get, but that's what you want. That's right. And then you have all the good stuff drips down your hands so you can save it for Yeah, later. exactly. You're just sitting there moist and you're licking yourself and having like the elder look at you like, what are you, some sort of possessed demon? Like, well, I listen to Noctum, so like, yeah. Oh, and they got that Spanish band knocked in. Yeah, yeah. And, oh. <laughs> and, then, and then you just made a new friend. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I had to be on with Danny. I really like the, like, the, the way of the different style of riffs in there and the different style of playing. However... It's not exactly memorable because this is a very angry album. This album really is designed, I think even the guitar lines and that, to mostly set up very tenacious, very unforgiving passages. Uh, even some of the chordal passages, I tend to think follow a certain theme in certain structures, but it always comes down to just making sure that the song is just carried with intensity. Yeah, look, I'll give credit. The, um, the riffs, you don't have that thought of they use, they're reusing the same riffs over and over again yeah, throughout the true. album so I'll give them credit that you actually for Black and Death album I was very like oh here it comes just blast beats with just stupid growling over the top but no it's not just that at all There's, there is blast beats there and there is stupid growling over the top but they do they do mix it up but, well but unlike Border like, I could recommend a Border to friends of mine who aren't into death metal and they're great transition because there's the money riffs there or like they can tell they've got riffs from stone metal or whatever but this here 
if you're not into death metal or black metal, there isn't much to find that you're going to be like, oh, maybe the acoustic passages at the start of some of the songs, but again, you're just going to be bombarded with incredibly unforgiving, relentless noise. Yeah, and there's a couple of black metal tropes in here, but I'll talk more about that in production, I reckon. Yeah, so we'll move on to the next set, which we're going to talk about the vocals. And the vocal performance on this album is pretty much what you want from any black or death metal album. It's clear, it's brutal, it's literally... I actually haven't got much bad to say about it, but it is pretty much... No, he does do a, a, a different styles and different tracks. You know, there's a death growl pull out. There's a scream at the top. But what I love about the most, he doesn't care about being in time. He cares about getting a certain feel across. Because sometimes he drops right out of it. But he cares. So so did Negral when it comes to old school Behemoth albums. You know, just get out what you need to get out to help the song to get to a good place. And uh, I love him for it, man. Yeah, that's true. I do agree. There's a lot of good things about um, phrasing in. When it become more like staccato with his like singing over the drums yeah. and they do that classic black metal like just screaming to the distance over like slow like drum and guitar review, which is like just classic black metal, man. Yeah, it's like literally this they're angry and you need to hear about it, you know? And um that's it. That's yeah. all there is. I have one one th- um thing I don't like about the singing is that when they do that really deep growl, it, it becomes so muddy, it just sounds like reverbing bass line. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you can't lose it a bit there because I don't know what the hell is going on. But part of the rest of it, it's pretty decent, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoy it. Again, it's going to appeal to a very small market. These guys are a niche band in every sense. However, I think so far on the album with the riffs and the vocals, you know, it, it comes, it's strong enough together to work, you know, but we need to move on to the next one, which is going to be, I guess we're going to talk about diversity. And, and this is where for some people, this is where it's going to be tough for them, hey? Yeah, true. I mean, they do have the similar song structures. So yeah, you know, slow intros or fast intros and they, carry the fast intro throughout the whole song and sometimes they break it down in the middle or they have the slow intro, they're building it up, break down the middle. Like, the, the standard stuff, but I think they do enough with their drumming and their guitar lines to actually make each song be different. Like I said before, it's not like some old school, maybe, I don't know, black metal, like Emperor Mayhem, where you just like continuous blast beats all the blade time. Yeah, it's not so much that, yeah. Yeah, this thing actually has a bit of diversity and every now and then chuck a guitar solo in, chuck a bit of chanting a choir in there to help it out a bit it's kind of like if you're a metalhead right sometimes you want you like a certain car right and, and as a metalhead like so, certain bands for example like progressive bands or wild bands you'll get different color like can you, you can have it in blue or red or green right but this album here you can only have it in three colors black dark gray dark gray and the inside of satan's asshole literally you've got your only three choices because this thing is literally like from the diversity of the sounds really it's still angry even when it's slow these guys want to get a point across, and it's still intense, man. Like, this thing can beat you down. If you're not ready for this album when you put it on, you're going to feel, like, assaulted, man. Like, you're only kidding. Like, yeah, it's really intense. Wow, you got a lot of different vibe off from this album, man. <laughs> oh, I, no, for me, I really find, like, the drumming, when it even went slow in that, and the guitar tone, when the singer's going to come over the top of it and just smash you. And, but there is a lot of diversity in the subtleties, however. I will argue that it's not all a blast beat, you know? They don't have to punch you in the skull, you know. They can attack your groin in track too, for instance, with Auto Defeat, where it's got that sick ride bell thing, like a cannibal court. It's like death metal, man. And you're just like, I'm on for this ride. Then track three comes along with the whole like Dragon Lord intro, where it's like, da, da, da. And then it's, you know, and you're like, oh my God. And then it sets you up again for a more black and death feel, you know. Track five is a bit more slower. But again, it's like, 
Satan's all over it. You can mm. just feel the amount of just weight of evil just in every corner and every crevice, man. If it was a hotel, you'd show it Silent Hill, you'd get the fuck out of there. Yeah. I like going back to Mass Point, you're right. It 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 does the classic like black metal, death metal trope. So you, what what you want to hear in the black death metal you were hearing in this album. Mm. Again, does that mean it's diverse? Well, I guess these guys put their own twist on it, but yeah. Yeah, the Kerbals weren't the selling point. I didn't go like, oh, wow, I would never expect to, like, to hear that on an album like this. But um, and then again, it's exactly what you want. It's like, you know, if you want to go to Macca's, you go to Macca's to eat, right? You don't go like, I've settled for Hungry Jack's, right? Nah, and Octons are saying, they're like, no, you're getting what we're going to give you. Uh, let's talk about The Groove, Danny. And on a Death Black album... It got once they obviously want to get a point across, you know. Um, black metal sometimes can have more of a somber attitude and more depressing nature as well. Death metal can be more about technique or about brutality in itself. Uh, this album does both, really, doesn't it? Not so much technique, but it's just brutal, and it's uh, very rarely is it sad. Um, just mostly angry, though. Yeah, definitely. Get, let's get the aggression to feel across. Yeah, so you won't, you won't. The groove's not really much there. There's, there's a little breakdown on the song. I think track three, so there's a breakdown. It has a bit of groove to it. But I think there's actually like a, a, a waltz song. I think track seven has a waltz to it. I think it's a three, whatever, three bit, whatever you want to call it. But it has a dun, 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 dun. Yeah. It has like a waltz for that. So that was actually quite unique. And that had a bit of a sway to it when you listen to it. But apart from that, mostly you just get intensity. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Like it's, um, it gets you through a rough day at work. You know, um, you look forward to it if you, uh, you know, if you've been in the bad end of bullying for like, you know, nine out of your 10 years at school. I'd imagine putting this on after would be like therapy in itself, man. It's just literally like, yeah, the world is a dark, burning place. And the groove in itself isn't to get you to move, but it's to get you to release a certain frustration or to hear a certain sound. And I think Nocton do it very well. I will not um, uh, say this album's for everybody uh, with its diversity cause, or a groove. You know, it doesn't actually make you want to groove and move. But it's, uh, if you're up for something that just wants pure malevolence and uh, darkness, um, few bands can really recreate it with such amount of subtlety as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, yeah. So I guess we'll move on to production already. Yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll wrap a bow around it with the production. And I that this is the one thing off the album I love the most. It isn't a, where it's like down a hallway through a sock in a wind tunnel, but it's not that death metal where a legion, where it's like overproduced. A guy was sitting there getting the perfect note to ring through, playing to a click track. This album is just great musicians playing uh, authentically, you know? And um, that's the one thing I love about this album the most is the production. Because the way it all sounds together is fantastic. Things pop up soon. Sometimes there's a double kick that pops up on the top of it. Uh, sometimes the lead lines really get into it and the harmonies can hear. Or sometimes they put it all the way back and uh, really get the singing to kind of go over the top of it all. I think it's just fantastic. This is the one thing of the album which I really can't um, discredit. Yeah, that's true. I think production's done quite well. Um, yeah, everything sounds clearly. They are, you know put more emphasis on the drums, guitar, vocals, whatever is required at the time. They do a little bit of a subtlety again, like every now and then they add a bit of a choir noise we need to, or a bit of white noise, a bit of an acoustic guitar intro is quite nice. And Also, I think what's really clever is like track eight to nine, the transition, because track eight finishes with a certain riff and track nine picks up on it again. Mm. But eight has more of like, I guess, maybe a more of a joyous or happy tone to it, but then track nine is a bit more of a evil, depressing tone. So mm. the way they blend those two together is actually quite... Clever. I didn't read the lyrics to see if they they 
Nailed also it. melted, but it actually sounds quite good just from just from an ear. I find the hardest thing that this album though is not just the production mostly, but I find that just being memorable, and that's the one thing I guess to to put a for me simply is that this album is great on a technical standpoint, on a playing standpoint, even on the song structures, they seem to work really well and they tell a good story and arcing it, you know? They always have good grooves in there generally or just... Thing. But the riffs themselves and certain lines and that, I, they don't stick with you after you turn off the CD. Like, I think with strong writing, no matter what uh, genre it is, uh, a riff or a line will leave you. Like, when you listen to Old Man's Child, for instance, or Aborted, there'll be a certain a passage that will be, like, ingrained in my head and it'll stick with me for the rest of the day. Uh, Noctum, I found it a, a struggle. Uh, just because it was literally like they're setting up a tone and getting a lot of uh, getting an emotion across, and um, if that's what they wanted to achieve, I think they did it. I think they did a really good job. Um, it's not now for everybody, but uh, with all these things together, I think uh, they're about to be pretty proud of themselves, and I'm very excited to see what they'll do in upcoming uh, albums. Yeah, definitely. If, if you like your Black Death Metal, it's definitely an album you should buy, you should listen to, because you would really enjoy it. Because again, they've got the classic tropes in there, and they also tried with a little twist on it. I think a funny thing about production is Star of Track 5 where they have like a burning sound guys yeah. screaming over the top of it. Yeah, you think that's like guys being tortured or like cooked alive. No, no, no. What it actually is, is that, you know, summer's coming up and it's people walking across the Australian beach without thongs on. <laughs> so you hear that sizzling cracking. That's your feet burning and you're screaming because of the pain. So that was, that was really nice for them to consider us in their um, songwriting. I thought that would be just them at the end of the album after all the like tinnitus that they've got and all the arthritis <laughs> yeah. they've got in their liquors. They're like, ah! In a bath. Oh, put it on your record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really good. good. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put it over a sizzling steak, you know, on an Australian Barbie, and uh, yeah, that sounds pretty brutal. Maybe the guy's like got really bad feedback. He's telling electric himself at the same time, and that's why he's like yelling. Yeah, but I really look. The other day, I would rate this. The funny thing isn't for me. I like this album. This quality, it might just be considered good, but I, it sure as hell beats about eighty percent of the records I've listened to this year. Because at least it was. Uh, a genuine attempt to get it across an emotion and they didn't hide it with overproduction. They didn't do it with masking uh, certain layers or stuff like that. They just gave you strong songwriting with uh, incredibly intense uh, playing, you know, with with great technicality and um, they just put it all on show. Nothing to hide. Yep, I think you're right. It might make the top 10. It might make the No, top I 10. think it will make the top 10 for me. However, it might stop a little short from making it into a, a very high number yeah, yeah. because did it want me to play it back again? Got to be honest for me, it was really much an emotional album. Like if I was in the mood for it, I'm going to put it on. But, um, you know, with Flesh God coming out this year and the Borders album as well, there's plenty for me to listen to in that dark driving tone that um, probably comes a little bit more than this album did for me. Yep, that sounds fine. So yeah, if you're a look, but then again, uh, check it out. If if what we're saying to you it, it sparks your interest and you're you're dying for uh, something a little a little more darker in tone, it comes with a very strong recommendation. This year has come across with a lot of very pop metal coming through, and uh, a lot of the big boys have come out to play this year, and uh, they've come out with pretty much what you'd expect. Whereas this band here, you wouldn't expect it. Yeah. So then with that is the end of our show. It's been a great uh, time having you guys back here to check us back on the show. Uh, we've done quite, uh, getting close to the end of the year, Danny, which is a bit scary. You know, we've been doing this for a little while now. Yeah, it has. We've become uh, 2016 season professionals. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I don't know if the people would agree with that, but what they would definitely want to hear is our thoughts, especially me. I want to hear our thoughts at the end of the year. What we're going to talk about is the best albums and the worst albums. 
Uh, we're going to go live for that. That'll be a lot of fun. But if you guys want us to review an album that you had in mind, please feel free to jump on our Facebook wall. And in fact, next week, Danny, we've actually got a fan question. Yes, we have a fan question from uh, Mitch, which is actually, it's actually quite a controversial question and really a thought-provoking. So really glad for that question and stay tuned for it because this one could be a long one. Yeah, we'll, we'll send it out next week. We'll get your th- uh, thoughts and feelings on that. And like always, uh, you guys will get a shout-out if you guys uh, make sure you do it before uh, 6 o'clock on Adelaide Eastern Time on Tuesday night for you guys to be a, get a shout-out. And uh, yeah, with that, I guess we're out. Yep, so thanks for tuning in, guys. Yeah, guys, I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We've been the Super Metal Brothers. And remember, from the depths, we'll rise. Rise? Rise? Rise! 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 Catch you guys next week. See ya.